This is Bucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning and their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games, practices, as well as storylines of your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week. So how do you stay up to date on all of this excitement? You download the Odyssey app. You search Pucks and Bolts, you hit that auto-download button so that all of these brand new, exciting episodes are just sitting there waiting for you. Also, share it with other hockey fans, share it with friends, family who doesn't want to talk or at least keep track of the Tampa Bay Lightning at the most exciting part of the season, second half, gunning towards playoffs. Guys, I am your host, Casey Hudson, and it's time for us to dive into a brand new episode of Pucks and Bolts. Starting with the breakout, we haven't done the breakout in a little bit here, of course, news or breaking news or updates. They're kind of here and there once you're getting to the end of the first half of the season, heading into that break that everybody is highly anticipating and then bouncing back. Everybody's got to get their footing. Not that the breakout is starting with the most exciting news. If you guys kept track of the Bolts on their road trip, then you saw that Eric Turnack went down with an upper body injury and was listed as day-to-day kind of moments before the Bolts took on the Arizona Coyotes. And though we expected him to maybe play on Saturday versus the Vegas Golden Knights, that was not the case. He was also ruled out Saturday and is still being looked at as they get ready to take on the Anaheim Ducks this Tuesday back at Amelie Arena. What does that mean for the Lightning right now? Well, we know that Chernak is a huge defenseman for them. He's not exactly a stay-at-home defenseman any longer. He's gotten more confident at playing up and holding down the blue line for the Bolts, but he contributes when it comes to that assist column. He also contributes when it comes to helping out a guy like Andre Vasilevsky, not leaving him out to dry. We know the defensive pairings have been trying to find their way so that they can play a tighter game in front of Vasilevsky, and that's something that we'll get into a little bit later in this Pucks and Bolts segment. With that, though, with the the absence of Eric Chernak, you've got Cal Foote, who happened to get a lot more playing time. Now, this didn't start with the Eric Chernak injury. This actually started when they took on Colorado in Denver. We know that Cal Foote is from Denver. Obviously, he was born there while his dad was playing for the team, but There's been some conversation revolving around the fact that him filling in or being the defensive man instead of Nick Perbix that night, was that an opportunity to display Cal Foot? Was that a chance for other teams and scouts to see what he has to offer because the trade deadline's coming up? Cal Foot has been with the team for some time now. His development has been there, but it's been inconsistent. And while there's people, fans like you guys that that are big fans of Cal Foot, We don't know that he's been consistent enough to solidify a position on this roster. So that could be a move that comes at the trade deadline. Of course, JBV and the rest of the Bolts camp has been pretty silent as they typically are leading up to trade deadlines, but we're always up for a nice surprise. So let us know you guys' thoughts. Do we think Cal Foot's on the chopping block for one? For two, was his playing time this entire road trip an ability to show other teams what he has and what they could bring to their rosters? Or is he just getting more playing time overall because they plan on keeping him a part of this Lightning roster? We talked with Tampa Bay Times' Ed Encina about it. Ed thinks it was a chance to display Calfoot's talents so that he can be sourced out to another team while on the road. There's a lot of scouts. There's a lot more scouts out in general right now as we are in the second half of the season. So that's it for us on the breakout. Chernak listed day-to-day. We'll keep you guys up to date 
on what's going down with him and Cal Foot. if there's any rumbling of him potentially leaving this roster and who could be filling his position. If anyone, we know that the Lightning do so well at finding, we don't like to say diamonds in the rough, but diamonds in the rough or the fact of using the core structure they have now and pulling up key guys from Syracuse that may or may not be ready. We'll keep you guys up to date on all trade conversations as we get closer and closer to that March 3rd deadline. As we know, the Bolts had an exciting win, a 5-0 victory over the Colorado Avalanche before hitting the road for a four-game road trip. Now, there were some breaks in between, obviously. The guys have been gone for over a week and a half, and Coach Cooper said before the boys left for this road trip that this was going to be significant for them. They needed to pick up all of these points. They were able to leave with some confidence and a chip on their shoulder. They have a great win versus a top-notch Dallas Stars team. Then they had another victory over the Colorado Avalanche in Denver that came to shootouts, a shootout victory that obviously played in their favor. And then they head over to the mullet, which we don't know what the curse of the mullet is yet. For some reason, playing in Arizona is just so tough, and it was a weird game. Zero goals for 60 minutes, comes down to shootouts, and they lose in shootouts. And then you head off to... Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights have beat the Lightning five straight times in a row. And that's another team that just tends to have the Lightning's number. So what did we learn from this road trip? Well, here are a couple takeaways that I have after the Bolts have returned home from this shortly extended road trip, if you could say. For starters, opening up the road trip, as I mentioned, they did a great job versus the Dallas Stars, who are an offensive firepower. They have such a quality team over there. It's not talked about enough, in my opinion. But it was Anthony Sorelli that was the shining star of this game. Sorelli had not been a part of the beginning half of the season due to his injury and recovery um, and off-season surgery that he had. And as soon as he came back, he's made a difference. We talked about it shortly with Ed Encina. We kind of talked about that previously as well. As soon as he came back to this team, he started putting up points. He made an immediate difference. You can feel when Anthony Anthony Sorelli is in the lineup and is not in the lineup, and he can play anywhere. Um, You guys probably recall Kaylee and I talking about the fact that he could carry the nickname The Plug, if it doesn't sound ridiculous, because you can put him on any line, and he makes a significant difference. So we're seeing the Anthony Sorelli that we've always known, that we've always loved, and it's not just the guy who can forecheck. It's not just the guy that has a strong two way game it's a guy that I want to say is a silent leader in a way you can tell where this team relies on him and his ability to not only rise to the occasion but to kind of take the torch and run with it in a game and that's what we saw Anthony Sorelli do versus the Dallas Stars so it wasn't even the fact of that Dallas Stars game alone uh Sorelli walks away with four points after this road trip and that's commanding the second line working so well with Alex Kalorn and no matter who's at that center position You can rely on Anthony Sorelli to be a driving force on that second line. Then another takeaway we have is the fact that Corey Perry, we've talked about him here and there. We've given him his kudos here and there, but we really haven't given him enough credit for the veteran presence that he brings to this team and when that presence starts to shine. Um, One thing that I will say that I've noticed about Corey Perry that I think is starting to translate throughout the line that he's playing on is the fact that Corey Perry has the ability to take away a goalie's eyes, to jam up the net, to create traffic. And he's probably the leading guy on this Bolts roster to have deflected goals. Every other line kind of tries to work that shot, but it's Corey Perry that knows how to get in there and antagonize the goalie, antagonize defensemen. And it's starting to radiate to the other guys on his line, starting with Vladimir Nemestikov, which we'll jump back to momentarily. So with Corey Perry leading in, in that deflection, leading in that ability to jam up the net, 
he's starting to rack up goals before everyone went on break. And now his presence is becoming that much more, uh, let's say, unignorable on this second half of the season. He's got a silent leadership to his way as well, not in the same form and fashion as Anthony Sorelli. Um, he doesn't say much very loud, but because of his experience in this league, because of the fact that he's led in goals multiple times in this league, he has this respect to him and his game that starts to translate to other guys that I think they start to feed off of. And I think that's what we're seeing on that fourth line there. So another takeaway that I wanted to have is the leadership that we're starting to see from Corey Perry second half of the season gunning towards playoffs, one of the most important times of the year to have that um, radiate throughout not only the team, but your specific line. So we've got Anthony Sorelli, who's starting to take a turning point. We've got Corey Perry, whose leadership is going to be uh, imperative in this part of the season, which takes us down to the surge of Vladimir Nemestikov. Now, Nemestikov, if you guys have caught enough of Pucks and Bolts episodes, I've always admired Nemestikov, he's returned to the Bolts roster. We know that he can be a, a speedster when he wants to be. We know he's got a keen eye for the puck. He's got great puck management skills. But he's been plugged around in different lines, and they're still trying to find his sweet spot. Now, beginning of the season, preseason actually, it was him and Ross Colton that had an undeniable chemistry that I thought was going to build into something a lot faster and a lot more out the gate. That wasn't particularly the case. Uh, Ross Colton still needed to develop with certain guys as well as Nemestikov. So keeping them together wasn't exactly an easy decision for Coach Cooper. With that said, I think that Nemestikov, like, let's paint a picture and say that I have a draft board. Um, Nemestikov's been my guy on the board that's going to take that next step. We had playoff Pally. We have playoff Polly, what Nick Paul did to Toronto last year. But if we had to throw another guy in the mix to being that playoff guy, I have to say that I think Vlad Mestikov is going to be that guy. We haven't even scratched the surface with the skill set that he can bring to this team and how he can help. He's going to be that clutch guy. He's somebody who's learning from Corey Perry in terms of jamming up the net, taking away the eyes of the goalie, and not always relying on his speed. Now that's going to become a very dangerous thing because you're talking about a guy who has relied on his speed to create goal opportunities and scoring opportunities majority of his career. And if he learns half of the secrets from Corey Perry that Corey Perry has to offer, he can become a Swiss Army knife for this team. We know not to count anybody out too early because sometimes development takes a little over a year on a roster. Brandon Hagel being a great example of that. So Vlad Mesikov is a guy that I want you to keep on your radar because you're just starting to see him get more involved. You're starting to see him be that leader on whatever line he's on, and you're seeing him be a sponge to whatever veteran he gets to learn from on the lines that he's playing on and applying that to his game. Another thing that we saw Brandon Hagel do. So uh, Nemesikov, somebody I want to keep a close eye on. I'm giving a lot of credit to. I know it might be a little early to say he's going to be that guy, but I think that he is going to be that guy. Um, specifically him opening the scoring in Vegas and receiving the feed from Corey Perry. That was a very Corey Perry move typically that we see coming from belly to Perry or anyone else. So something to keep in mind, my third takeaway from the road trip, which leads us into my fourth and final takeaway. It's the fourth line starting to find their identity. If I haven't given away yet between the Corey Perry praise and the Vlad Nemestikov praise, it's the fact that, you know, what takes so much time over the course of the season, why the second half part of the season is 
so imperative compared to the first is because that first half, you're trying to find the chemistry. You're trying to see what lines work best together. We know Coach Cooper is not the kind of guy that's going to keep any line structure, even through playoffs. Things can always change, but there has to be a core and a foundation to come back to. With that said, we know the core and the foundation of the first line is Hagel, Kucherov, and Point. The core and the foundation of the second line, Sorelli, Kalorn, and Stamkos. The third line, Ross Colton, Nick Paul, Pat Maroon. And that fourth line is now starting to find their identity between Corey Perry, Nemestikov, and Bellamere. And why that's so crucial is because you're going to need all four lines to have an identity, to have a, a contributing factor, a specific skill set, when it comes to the stretch of the season, as well as being able to contend in playoffs. So the fourth line is starting to find their identity. I want to say at the right time, looking at the course of the games over this road trip, it's been the fourth line that's helped this team get bailed out of situations. Yes, they're walking away with only five points out of the eight that they could have collected. Yes, they have two losses and only two wins. But when it comes to that fight, when it came to tilting the ice, it was the fourth line that was really kind of leading the charge, in my opinion, and helping significantly with that. So the school bus line reunited for just a moment on the road trip, but it did go back to Nemestikov and Perry, as well as Bellomir, kind of leading the charge down there. So my biggest takeaway from this entire road trip is the fact that each line is starting to find their identity, regardless of the Cooper shuffle and throwing things in the blender. We know where the structure will go back to. And if that structure works and functions, then you've always got something to trust and rely on. Now, going from takeaways to kind of touching on that last game of the road trip, as I've mentioned, Bolts walk away with only five points. Coach Cooper said on Saturday he feels like they should be coming home with more than five points. And, of course, not only as a Bolts fan, but as somebody who covers the team, I couldn't agree more. Um, I don't know what it is about the mullet that makes it so hard for teams to win there. I mean, that's where the Boston Bruins found their first little big loss, if you will, and you know, a lot of other strong teams. And then it comes down to Vegas, whom I mentioned before, they've collected their fifth straight loss to. Um, when it comes to that Vegas game, when it comes to that mole game, it, in my opinion, in simple was just a team being able to keep them out of their structure for longer than they like to withstand. Um, they had a decent first period. They collected most of the possession time in that first period. But it was the fact that every time they scored, which the two goals that they got in the first, that Vegas was able to respond immediately. Now, we know that the Bolts, when it comes to extended road trips, being away from home for more than four days, they do start to collect that wear and tear. That's typically a scary sight for a team that could potentially start playoffs on the road, but this team just has a different gear in them when it comes to playoffs, like all teams do in the NHL. So the concern level isn't that high, but the reality is, is that once they're gone for a little over four to five days, they, their game just gets sluggish. They seem to be playing tired. And that's what I think Saturday was. I think Saturday was a fatigue situation. Um, they weren't able to get back. They weren't able to protect the net. They weren't able to help out Vassy. The gaps on the ice were significant. And that's kind of been an issue since returning from all-star break. Regardless of their victories, there's been too much time and space for other teams. And the gap management hasn't been as clean and crisp as it was before the all-star break. Not only was it a gap management issue when it comes to Vegas, it's those mishaps with the defense you can't help the best goalie in the league or one of the best goalies in the league if your defense is not connecting and not speaking. We obviously know Eric Turnock's been out for the last two games, but it can't always come down to Turnock being on the roster or on the lineup either. 
And that's where guys like Calfoot and other players get heavily evaluated as to what they can contribute to the team. So mishaps on defense for one, too much space, too much time. And for some reason, it was just the left side of the ice that Vegas was able to take so much control over and continue to tilt the game in their favor. So a weird game. And I would say the biggest takeaway from the Vegas loss is the fact that we know that this is a team that has always commanded the third period or been able to give a big push in the third period. You just did not see that on Saturday. And I bring that back to fatigue. Last leg of the road trip, just not able to have that extra gumption, that extra push that a team we typically see do it was just unable to attain. Um, just to kind of put something in perspective, the Bolts have had five trailing wins after being behind in the first period and five trailing ones after being behind in the second period. So that's 10 comebacks that they've acquired this entire season. So the potential was there. The hope was there. And according to coach Cooper, it's something that they were entirely capable of doing. They just did not do. So the bolts return home with five points out of eight potential points. Bolts sitting at 73. And we talked with Ed Encina from the Tampa Bay times about this being potentially concerning. And again, don't sound the alarms quite yet, but it's the nerve-wracking part of how the East is starting to become extremely competitive. You've got the Rangers who pick up Tarasenko, and then you've got the Leafs who get Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, I will say this. I've always been a big fan of Ryan O'Reilly's play over at the Blues, and he is going to be a dangerous, not only veteran presence, but a defensive center for the Maple Leafs. Um, he's also a guy that can actually win battles consistently in the face-off circle. And you guys have heard it here on Pucks and Bolts plenty of times. Success starts in the circle. So if this is somebody who can help keep possession of the puck for his teammates, help generate that offense, then we're looking at a Toronto team that just took the next scary step. We know Austin Matthews is out with injury, but Ryan O'Reilly being a part of this team can actually fill that void to an extent, especially if he can get pucks out to the other top scorers on that Maple Leafs roster. So with the addition of Ryan Riley and the competition heating up in the East, the Bolts cannot afford to have um, to lose points where they should have picked up points. Now, that obviously just changes the topic of where home ice advantage will take place. Ed Encina said he is not concerned about this because this is a team that can win on the road. If I'm being realistic and taking my fan hat off for just a second, you know, we haven't seen the strongest road performance from this team this season. We have seen stronger road performances from the Lightning the year before and the year before that. So that's my only concern with them not getting that home ice advantage. We've seen them tear it up at home. They just had that monstrous win streak on home ice. So obviously there's something so special about playing at home um, that also aids their consistency to be the best of the best. I mean, that win that they had, that 5-0 to zero win that they had before hitting the road, that was probably one of the most complete games of hockey they've played all season long. There's probably been three games like that all season long. So something to keep in mind when it comes to the importance of that home ice advantage is that this hasn't been their strongest year on the road. And I think they could use that home ice advantage. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be a competitive factor in playoffs and you've got to be able to win at home or away, and this team can figure it out at the end of the day. So Ryan O'Reilly gets added to the Toronto Maple Leafs roster. Bolts sit three points behind. Obviously, at this point, I don't think there's any catching up to the Boston Bruins, who sit at 89. But we will see as the Bolts now finally return home. Uh, they kind of have an interesting schedule from here on out. It's about two home games, two away games consistently back and forth. So starting things off with the Anaheim Ducks. 
there's a couple guys for them to look out for on the Anaheim Duck roster. And it's, again, a winnable game, points that they can walk away with, but they've got to come back and they've got to show themselves that they can play a complete game of hockey. They can't play, I don't want to say down to the level of the Ducks have their flashing moments, but they need to be able to piece together a strong game and put the Ducks away. The Anaheim Ducks have no business putting up three goals on this Tampa Bay Lightning team. I still think this is one of the most skilled rosters in the league. And then after that, they have an in-division face-off with the Buffalo Sabres, who we've seen some great hockey versus all season long, whether it's been on home ice or away uh, up in Buffalo. So with those two road, with those two home games that the Bolts now have coming up, that's four points that they have a chance to collect, and they're going to need those four points to stay in, in the tango that they're doing with the Toronto Maple Leafs and give themselves a chance to kind of solidify a lead to sit in that second place position in the Atlantic division, or else they're going to be going back and forth until April. And they don't face off with the Toronto Maple Leafs until the end of the regular season. So again, a couple of things to let us know your thoughts on. You can always catch us over on Twitter at Pucks and Bolts. That's where you'll see clips. That's where you'll see the links to all brand new episodes. And that's where you can stay up to date with all things Tampa Bay Lightning, because as I mentioned, we are in the best, most exciting part of the season, the second half of the season, gunning towards playoffs, and we're sitting pretty, and we're sitting in good positioning. All things are coming together at the right time for this team. So don't forget, follow us over at Pucks and Bolts. Download the Odyssey app. Search Pucks and Bolts so you can stay up to date on all brand new episodes when we have exciting guests like Ed and Cena, Greg Wolf, and so much more. We've got more guests coming up. Thank you guys so much for joining me here on Pucks and Bolts, and I'll catch you next time. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 